Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives, inspiring Christ followers to join Jesus in his mission in their everyday lives. Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives. I'm Michael Brewer. This is John Whaley. Hello, John. Hello, Michael. Good to see you today. Good to see you. Good to see all of you. We don't see you like we see each other, but we anticipate by faith you're out there. Uh, and we've glad that you've made the decision to join us for Rooftop Perspectives. We have a, a, a goal to reach you with inspiration, with uh, encouragement, that you too would join Jesus in his mission in your everyday life. And we do that by sharing the stories of people who are living and doing that with special guests and also wonderful reports of how God is moving across the nations uh, today. John? Yeah, today and today we are introducing you to someone who is joining Jesus in his mission yes. in so, so many ways. Um, my friend Jeff Eckert. Jeff is the founder of Never the Same, which is a student ministry committed to cultivating the lives of students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines. It's an amazing ministry that's been around for over 20 years, impacting the lives of students on so many levels. Um, he's also the lead pastor at Daybreak Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he's the chairman of the National Prayer Committee. Um, he um, wears many hats, yes, and he yeah. wears all of them very well and leads all of them very well. And so this is a conversation we had recently um, about what God did at the camps this summer, um, this past summer, and, and how, how God is moving across the nation in the lives of this generation yeah. on so many different levels. And so sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jeff Eckert. Jeff, it is so good to um, have you with us today on Rooftop Perspectives. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Yeah, really great being here, John. I'm excited. Well, this is going to be a great conversation, but of course, we got to answer the question everybody's asking, who in the world is this Jeff Eckert, outside of what I've told them off of your bio, which I got yeah. off the internet. Um, so tell us about Jeff, your your journey to Christ, your family, your your calling, Anything you want us to know about Jeff Eckert? Sure. Oh, man. That could be scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew, grew up. Uh, I mean, I look at everything I do and I am now. And I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a product of my father. I had an incredible uh, father. Um, he's no longer here on this side. But um, he was a high school teacher at a public school and a pastor of our local neighborhood church. So he was bivocational and that. I think that bivocational blood it kind of just naturally seeped into my veins. So I've always kind of had multiple things happening, but raised by incredible parents and family. And, uh, and, and I had two really important moments for me that formed me in my faith early on. One was a Billy Graham crusade when I was nine years old in Indianapolis where I grew up. And that's, I walked forward and that was kind of the first, what I would say formal moment that I can remember. The second one was at a summer, my summer camp I went to in Indiana, 14 years old. And really that's when I, I kind of stopped going back and forth in my faith. And I really just stepped forward and said, this is it for me. And I never really 
turn back and then sensed a, a call into vocational ministry at 17 uh, going into I believe my senior year of high school and you know that for me just personally I, I love telling people when I talk about that part of my life is like I was a shy kid I was terrified to have any attention paid to me in any public way in terms of like even standing up in front of my class to read a book report I tried to get out of that in eighth and ninth grade, like just really uncomfortable. And when God really spoke to me about a vocational ministry thing in my mind, it was very limited to what that might be. But all I could think about was like, I don't want to stand up there in front of people and have everyone look at me and listen to me. And God said, just trust me with everything. And I did. And so then went to, uh, Indiana Western University, met Ariana there, and um, we got married and jumped into vocational ministry together. And we just celebrated in June of this year as we record this um, 30 years of marriage and ministry. They all were within a couple weeks when we started. So 1993 wow. is when we started. So we've had an amazing experience of an adventure together. We Spent the first 16 years in local church, primarily working with students. I was also a worship leader, teaching pastors, some other side things. And then um, 2009, felt a call to go into, uh, to start a national youth ministry and did that in 2009. And then did that for up until, and I'm still doing that, but did that for 12 years and then became lead pastor of a church in 2021 so currently involved in those two things as well as the national prayer committee but i'll just stop and say this like along the way the the vision to see students praying mm -hmm. and really growing in their faith is really what that was the thing that really charged me to leave a, a, a you know a, a my comfort zone at a, working at a church and really launching off on my own uh, the ministry that we have, um, it's called Never the Same, the National Youth Ministry. So if anyone's interested, neverthesame.org is the website. But we have youth camps in the summer all across the country. We have um, an initiative called Claim Your Campus, and that's student-led prayer groups, middle and high schoolers at their schools. And then um, we have a, a few other things, some Bible curriculums and some other programs. And it's just all initiatives to get kids engaged in their faith, whether it be at their church, at home, uh, on their campus. And um, we're just seeing tremendous, tremendous things happening with students around the country. It's, it's amazing. Um, I'm the pastor of Daybreak Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we're just an incredibly vibrant, uh, evangelistic and creative church. And uh, people are interested in that. It's daybreak.tv is our website for that. But I'm just, I have a church that is an incredible supporter of just who I am and, and what I'm called to be. And it's a unique situation. But I find myself really in some interesting places with that. I, I know we're going to talk about the National Prayer Committee. Um, but just in some national circles mm -hmm. and local and then just multi-generational. It's really, I, I love all the opportunities that God's given me right now in my life. 
That's so exciting. And I, and I do, I love, I love what you're doing with never the same. I was on your website again yesterday, just looking at, at all the different ways. And I love your mission. I mean, your mission is very simple. It's cultivating faith in the lives of students. And, and, and I really, I love that whole idea of claim your campus. Talk a little bit more about that. So what does that look like? Claim your campus is our prayer initiative. And our, our vision is there would be 1 million middle and high school students praying, meeting once a week to pray at their school. And we have a, um, an app that they use on their phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've invested over the last 10 years about a half a million dollars into our mobile app technology. Students are using it all over the country. We're active right now in about, I think, 45 states as I last checked. Um, but Claim Your Campus is students meeting once a week, praying for change at their school. They lead it themselves. The app guides them through their prayer focus of the day, their scripture involved. And John, like where that really started was a group of eight students. I was a youth pastor. And right across the street from our church was the largest public high school in the state of Michigan. It's East Kentwood High School. I would meet with students there every Tuesday morning. And they would really lead the prayer. I was there just as a, a support, just to be present. One day I asked him a question that really changed my life and it changed everything for me was, I asked them, what are you praying about specifically that you would be able to tell if God answered your prayers? Because what was happening on Tuesday mornings is it's early in the morning and students are, are kind of going, God, help us today, bless us today. Thank you for this day. Nice things. And I don't want to take away from the fact that they were committed to be there, but there was no real like purpose in terms of, you know, intercession. They mentioned fighting as an issue. There are 48 countries of origin in that student body at that time. Wow. So it's a very interesting, unique environment and actually a small building with small hallways. And we had years and years of students going there to youth groups. So I knew the school really well. They started praying about fighting every Tuesday morning. Three months go by. The school board releases their quarterly report and they said this, we have not had one fight in the last three months. And we do not know how this happened. They were beside themselves as, as an administration going, we didn't do any convocations about it. We didn't do any emphasis on nonviolence. It just happened out of the blue. That completely changed my life in terms of God began to put a question in my mind that just I couldn't escape is what if every school in America could experience something like that through the power of student-led prayer? I couldn't get away from that question. And that's what caused me three years later to quit my career in vocational ministry at a church and launch into this vision of seeing students pray. 67,000 schools, public, private, and charter, middle and high schools in America. If there were 15 students meeting once a week, we'd have a million students praying. That's the vision. That's amazing. And, and, and in this day and age with all the violence in schools and all that's happening, just creating what happened in that one school, you know, happens nationally. Um, 
and, and it reminds us again of just the power of prayer. Whenever we begin to really call out to God specifically, um, I was on a prayer call, reminded me of a story several years ago. I was on a prayer call with a, bun a bunch of pastors in Chicago and the Chicago, one of the newspapers had just talked about how there was a crime reduction in one neighborhood by 25%. It was significant. And one of the pastors actually said, who's going to call the newspaper and tell them what happened? And what happened was the, the Christians in that neighborhood decided to take over the street corners where the drug trafficking was taking place to start having prayer meetings on those street corners and decided to take back their community. And within a matter of months, the crime rate just dropped significantly across that entire community. And we just wow. forget when we stand in the gap like those students did, you know, God shows up. And, and I just picture that in my mind happening across schools all across America. And, and I love, yes. I love that. I love that. I love that whole vision of claim your campus. And, and I know, I know this has been an incredible summer for camp. Um, you just finished up, you know, you're never the same camps. And, and one of my favorite Facebook posts um, that I've showed several people, I said, you got to look at this post is the one you posted about the unpublished prayer meeting. It's unannounced. It's just basically a word of mouth <laughs> prayer meeting for students to come early and pray yeah. And that picture of the the auditorium just filled with these students who on their own voluntarily came early to pray, which I think signifies again what God's doing in this generation. But tell us about, you know, tell us about some of the things that happened at camp this summer that were just really significant. Cause I I kept hearing, I kept reading your reports about people getting saved and lives being changed. And it was yeah. obvious that God was moving this summer in some amazing ways. Oh, man, even when you're talking about it, I kind of got the, the chills here just remembering that picture and that moment when all those kids came to pray. Every we, we held six weeks of camp. We meet on college campuses. It's for middle and high school students, so they come to the college. We use the mm -hmm. facilities there. Um, and we do an unpublished prayer meeting every day. And um, we just integrate prayer into everything we do for those camps. So every student that comes to that camp, we pray for them by name and every adult before they get there, our staff does. We pray over every chair every night where we meet. But then we also have this unpublished uh, prayer meeting that we've been doing this for years, where 45 minutes before the session, we have students that just volunteer, show up on their own. They come and we pray in the chapel space where we're meeting. And that particular night, um, I think, was probably the highest percentage of students I've ever seen show up. And it was probably about at least two thirds of the camp were there and they showed up to pray. And, you know, it, there's not a science to it, but like I would definitely say there's a correlation between the number and percentage of students that show up to pray and what we see happening in our sessions particularly. And so we saw, I would say the most fruitful summer in 24 years of doing this camp, we saw the most fruitful summer in terms of spiritual passion, intensity, decisions. Our, our camp, it's just, I believe it's just anointed by God in a really unique way. We, 92% of students that come to that camp make some kind of spiritual decision. 
Amen. And we saw hundreds give their lives to Christ for the first time. We saw um, over 400 students feel a call to vocational ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, all those students and many more learned about Claim Your Campus and other campus initiatives we're doing. And they're being sent out as missionaries beginning right now as school starting back up as we record this. And so prayer groups are popping up now as a result. And just it it was an amazing summer. I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing that was that that I haven't talked about publicly, but I just think it's a testament to to God's power at this camp. But we coming out of Asbury this year, earlier in February, we sense kind of a responsibility to say, God, we want to open the door for whatever you would want to do when we're meeting this summer in the spirit of what you were doing in Asbury. And we saw this every week. One of those weeks, one our New York camp, we had a time of, of prayer and worship that was kind of unplanned and unscheduled at the end of one of our sessions. And this was going on at each camp. And sometimes they go on for hours and students were just so locked in. But there's a prayer um, segment led by Ariana actually, and said, if you need healing in your life um, in any way, you know, we invite you to, to step forward and, and invite healing. If God, uh, you know, if you would want God to change some area of your life, young lady came forward, went to her pastor. We didn't hear this until weeks later. She said, I've had sexual trauma in my past and it's just, created the spiral in my life and she wow. turned to cutting uh, she had cutting all over her arms the scars from it and she said i want to be free of that she prayed with her pastor and when they were done praying all the scars on her arms were gone in a Amen. moment wow and we just saw many instances of just freedom now that that's you know, a very visible, uh, remarkable thing. But I mean, we just saw story after story of how God's moving this summer. That's exciting because that was one of the trademarks of Asbury. So many of the students that gave testimony, um, I remember Bill Elif and I had this conversation, you know, so many stories about, you know, the students being set free from depression, anxiety, suicidal yes. ideation. Yeah. I mean, just story after story after story as yep. God yep. is is healing this this generation, I was just last week in Michigan with Life Action, and um, we were leading Seek Week for them. And so I did an interview with three of the students that served on the revival teams, and um, and I know one of the things I asked them was about their generation. And I remember one of the girls saying to me, she said, "You know, we're the generation that's grown with social media." And have been and have bought into all these lies and she says i would say the trademark of our generation is we are truth seekers we are yes. seeking truth, and we're true and we're and they're seeking freedom um in the midst of all the lies they bought into and all the wounds that come with that and so that's so exciting so as you're looking at what god's doing across the generations because we're seeing it happen on campuses i mean college campuses high school campuses and Many of us are just excited about this fall and and because we know there are students that have been just praying and preparing all summer. Getting back to school, 
just because they want to really join Jesus and what he's doing on their campus. What do you sense God is doing in this season among this generation and even in the life of the church as a whole? You know, we are, I think that what we're about to experience in the next three to five years, I think will be, it'll set the trajectory for particularly speaking as an American here. I think it'll set the tone for our country. I think without a doubt, I just always have, have, I've learned through working with students for 30 years that they're always ready for and open to where God would lead. I think we're just at a unique time. And I think as adults, I think as the boomer generation right now is transitioning towards the end of that cycle, I think what we do to guide and mentor millennials and Gen Z is, is going to be really important. I, I, I will speak and I've saying I've said this for years, but I think in particular now speaking also as a, as a, a local church pastor, I think our focus on guiding and equipping young people is absolutely critical to the future of the faith movement in America and, and around the world. But I, again, just speaking here in context of where I'm familiar with and having traveled the country this summer, again, interacting with thousands of students, hundreds of churches, I think, um, I think that, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, like, I'll get real specific. Um, we felt a specific mandate with Claim Your Campus um, a year ago in the fall of 2022 to focus on reaching 12 year olds. I think that the 10 to 12 year old age group is a really important group that we need to consider. How do we reach them? And I'll tell you, as a pastor, when I stand up on the platform every Sunday and I look out, I think, how's a 12 year old processing this? And how is this service reaching them? Because they're they're at a pivot point in our society and in our churches. And I think my, my, my specific word to a lot of leaders around the country has been really think about what it would take to reach 12 year olds, because in my work over the years, it's gotten younger and younger in terms of when's the, when's a really fruitful time to reach them. And I, I see, I think we're at a crossroads and I don't say that lightly. I think that we're at a crossroads as a church, um, capital C church in our country that we've got to understand the times that we're in and we've got to leverage every opportunity we have. And I think we cannot, we can no longer spend our time complaining about where we're at. You know, like there's that old saying, a good sailor doesn't blame the direction of the wind. They yes. just set their sails accordingly. And that's what we have to do. But I think reaching young people, and I think prayer is an absolute critical component. One of the things I'm really, God's been leading me towards is, is through the National Prayer Committee, is engaging churches to have some network that's formal in a sense of prayer, but also really praying for their leaders and their pastors because... It's tough out there right now for pastors. And I think churches have the opportunity to really engage them and, and pray for them. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and I do believe we're in a season, you know, of new wine and new wineskins that we have to embrace that God is doing, especially in this younger generation. And, and so all my focus in my personal discipleship for the last several years has been um, college students. Um, and now I'm actually yeah. discipling the youngest student I've ever discipled, who's 14. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, he's got the spiritual depth that's deeper than most adults I know, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, just met, we just met yesterday and I was just amazed at some of his insights as we were talking about scripture and what it meant to follow Jesus. And and I'm thinking here thinking, here's this 14-year-old with just such incredible depth, but there's a hunger there in that generation. And yeah. and I'm I'm excited yeah. to see how God is using that generation to um lead us into, I think, the next great movement of revival and awakening in America in the next three to five years. And and I agree with you. I think that that 10 to 12 year old age, especially that sixth grade, 12 year old is critical that we focus on how do we impact their lives? Um, because it's exciting to see what what God is doing and, and to see the churches that are waking up. Unlike what happened in the 70s when we had the Jesus movement and so many churches closed their doors to what was happening because it was so different. Um, mm-hmm. What excites me is I am seeing more churches open and saying, God, what are you doing and how do we become a part of what you're doing in this yeah. season? And that's that's really encouraging. I do love I do love the challenge you gave all of us at the NPC, the National Prayer Committee in, in D.C., when you asked all of us to bring Gen Z's to the next meeting uh, to bring Gen Z leaders. Um, I already have two that are coming with me and. And I'm excited. They're excited. And I told him, I said, um, well, it's actually one's a young guy. I've been discipling since he is a junior in high school. He's now a senior at Liberty. And I told him, I said, I want you to go with me to the National Prayer Committee meeting in, in January, our annual meeting. And then um, he said, can I bring so and so? Because he's also one of our leaders. And mm. um, so I'm excited about that. So as you think about the National Prayer Committee, What's what's some of the things that God's laid on your heart as you lead us into this new season, especially with what's happening in this generation? Yeah, well, this this coalition of of leaders in the National Prayer Committee, I, what I love about it is how it, it you know, is, it gives such a broad stroke to the body of Christ mm-hmm. in America, all the different kinds and types of leaders and multiple generations and multiple denominations and movements and parts of the the church and you know together we have an opportunity before us and and here's what i believe as uh, you know stepping into this role as chairman earlier this year um you know i said i told the the board you know our board i said i don't really have anything specific in terms of a vision now but I know that it will come when it needs to come. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll just tell you what's emerging. And there's a couple, couple things. One is just the sense that this coalition, which for the last season has been more of a fellowship, more of an encouragement, more of a network, um, is meant to be, I believe in this next season, more of a force. Amen. I think the fellowship component will remain, but I, I believe that where we're going as a country, um, there's there's a book I'm reading. Actually, I have it right here. 
um, this book has, it's not a, it's not from a faith perspective, but it's a sociological um, cycle that I believe our society is going into. And this will be a pivotal time. And I think um, one of the, one of the things that's ringing in my spirit over the last few months has been that we're heading, we are in a time of war and we need wartime leadership. Um, I think before COVID, I think it was boiling and brewing, but I think we went from what I would call a cold war environment spiritually in, in America to an open war environment where there's, there's more of a direct and visible sense of the opposition that we have spiritually. And I think that what God is doing in our country is I think he's raising up wartime leaders. And, and I think that's what the National Prayer Committee needs to uh, face head on is what, how do we lead in this time, what I would call open war environment. And that, that means that we're, that we're thinking specifically about the local church we're thinking about the spheres of influence that we have. Schools is important, I think. Um, and and really linking arms together on some common initiatives. I think the, the prayer movement, um, just like any movement where there's multiple facets and a diverse uh, set of of missional moments that are happening. I think the prayer committee is important for America specifically now because it is a common covering for, for the prayer movement in America. And I think that, that God is about to give us some very specific initiatives that we can tackle together. Amen. Yeah, I do. Yeah. We are definitely in a, what you would call a, for such a time as this moment. Um, and I, and I love the vision of seeing the national prayer committee move toward that. I like what you said, the force that, that kind of begins leading the way of, of engaging because we are in a open warfare as I have heard so many say, and I've said it several times, you know, I tell Christians all the time, you know, every day you wake up in a battlefield, not a playground. And yeah. Um, yeah. it's a very different culture that we live in. And, and so we have to make some, some shifts, but, but I'm excited about the years ahead. And it's really exciting um, when I spend time with Gen Z's and to hear what God's doing in their life and, and their excitement, their passion about really wanting to touch their campuses, touch their cities or communities with the gospel and reach their generation. So, man, I thank you for taking time today just to, yeah. Um, chat and give us an update. Um, again, if you want to know more about Never the Same, I'll put the website back up there, neverthesame.org. Incredible ministry. Um, I love I love what you're doing through that. And I love to claim your campus um, because that's what have been one of my heartbeats is helping students to begin understanding how to pray, pray for their campuses and how to join Jesus and what he's doing on their campus every day which is the heartbeat of everything we do at the rooftop. We're just wanting to help people join Jesus in his mission where they live, That's work, right. and play. And it's exciting to hear the stories, especially these students um, in this generation. They're, yeah. they're ready. They're open. And so thank you for um, taking, taking the time today. I look forward to seeing you in January at our annual meeting. It's going to be a great yeah, time yeah. together. 
And uh, man, just praying for you and Ariana and your kids. And um, as you're continually just serving God there in Michigan and and leading us in the National Prayer Committee as well. So yeah. thank you, Jeff. You have an incredible day. God bless. Yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate being with you. Thanks for your ministry at the rooftop and your friendship. Really do appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Michael, um, man, I love Jeff's heart. I love Jeff's spirit. I love his passion for students. Um, and it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so inspiring, so encouraging. Um, one of the things he said, um, he didn't so much say it this way, but man, it was very much implied in everything he said that when Jesus calls us to join him in his mission, expect him to call us out of our comfort zones. Yeah. Expect yeah. him to invite us into a lifestyle of joining him in some very diverse places. And also expect him to dream God-sized dreams because God's done that, all of that in Jeff's life. And he's done that in my life. He's done that in your life. That's part of the adventure of joining Jesus in his mission. Um, and, and one of the things that, that, that he did talk about, which I turned into a question today as one of our takeaways. It's a great is, question. Yeah. What are you praying about specifically that you would know beyond a doubt that God did when it was answered? Because we, we tend to pray so generally, and he tells the story of the middle school students that he was meeting with who were praying all these general prayers. And he asked them that question. What are you praying about specifically that when God does it, you know, God did it. And that's when they started praying for God to step in because there was so much fighting going on in the school. And then that report came out where the uh, yep. administration is like, we haven't had a fight like in a month. You know, what's happening? Well, it was God answering the specific prayers of those specific middle school students. And, and so, the, excuse me, the whole concept of pray for, receive, pray specific, pray with faith, um, pray in a way that, pray the kind of prayers that God says, man, I can't wait to answer this. Yeah. Because it's prayers that when the answered, we know that God did it. And man, I love that story. And I love that point that he made about prayer because it's yeah. part of joining Jesus in his mission. And it and it points to the fact how God's moving in the lives of this generation now. So these, these these Gen Zs, God's doing something in their midst mm. that the rest of us wish would happen. You know, yeah. uh, they're seeking God fervently. I mean, you go back. We keep referring to what happened at Asbury, but but it's what's happened since then. Like Asbury was was like the like when the old flintlock would fall and the spark and the smoke and everything. And there was this big, huge explosion, but it's just the beginning point. It's, it's just the beginning of what God is doing. And so God's meeting these students where they are. He, he is there. Uh, I, I love how the fact he said 92% of the students made some kind of spiritual decision at camp. What would we do on Sunday morning in our church if if 90 plus percent of the people in the congregation were so moved by what God was saying to them that they responded to an altar call that we didn't give, but God did. Amen. Wow. That's that's I would love to see that happen. Just see see people moving in such a way 
that a pastor's overwhelmed. Only God could have done this. I didn't call for this, but the Holy Spirit did and God's people responded. That's what's happening in this generation. Mm. And I love the question, are we joining him or are we standing in the way? Mm-hmm. The church is at a crossroads and we need to understand the times that we're in. He said that so succinctly. And we need to leverage every opportunity and see how God is at work. You know, it's time to get out of the harbor and get out there. And that only happens if you set your sail to go somewhere. I love a report. I think I shared this with you before we began this today. Uh, My niece's son is going to Mississippi State. And when she saw one of the reports on Facebook as I was sharing some things about what's going on, she sent back to me uh, this this message. This is happening at Mississippi State. She said, I've watched some of the things that are that are broadcast of their chapel and worship services, and they're overflowing to capacity. And these kids are singing and praising and praying and worship in numbers that the building almost can't hold them. And we don't hear those kind of reports, but that's what God's doing in the life of this generation. It is. The church better get ready to embrace it because it will run over us like a tidal wave if we don't. It is. And and what's great, when you talk to Jeff, it's happening with middle school students. It's happening with high school students, not just on college campuses. I mean, Gordon Conwell last week had an incredible movement of revival. Um, and, and so we're just seeing it on all these different campuses, Christian campuses, pub, you know, um, secular campuses in public high schools, public middle schools, Christian schools. It's just, uh, it's amazing what God is doing. But one of the things he said, which I think is so critical is to understand that the church needs to understand we are in a time of war. Um, and, and I love what Jeff said. We need wartime leadership. Um, and I made the statement, you know, that I tell people all the time that, you know, we wake up every day in a battlefield, not a playground. Yeah. And most Christians walk around as if we're in a playground and many pastors preach as if we're in a playground. Um, but we're in the middle of a war. Um, I just spent some time last night with a good a friend of mine, her and her husband are in India from India. They're Indian, have an amazing ministry in India. But she was just telling us about the persecution they face, um, you know, and we have no concept here of what that's like. I think we're beginning to taste it some, but I believe it's going to become more and more real in our culture in the in the years to come. But we're in an open war environment where the opposition is clearly seen. And we're seeing that more and more in the media um, in you know, it's becoming very more blatant. There was always behind the scenes, this kind of this anti-Christian, you know, but now it's very much in the open. And, and so we, we need to understand that there's a reason that, that Paul spent so much time in his writings talking about the spiritual battles we are in and yeah. the war we're in and put on the armor of God. But we do need wartime leadership. We do need um, pastors and leaders who will lead the way in the battle like King David did with faith in God and integrity of heart and, yes. and, and say, we're in a battle, but here's the good news, Michael, we've already won the victory. Yeah. Uh, Jesus has already won the victory. We just have to step into the victory and fight the battle on our knees and through the word and, yes. and through evangelism and disciple making and just be strong in Christ. But then he said something that I want you to speak into. Um, 
because our target so many times in churches tends to always go toward, you know, um, high school students, college students, maybe even older middle school. But what did Jeff share with us that I thought was so critical? He said, and he put it this way, we need to be praying for how to reach our 10 to 12 year olds because they are at pivot point in their lives. We need to understand. I think, and I think I shared this with you already. It's been that way for more than a decade that mm -hmm. what we used to worry about as parents was going on in the lives of 15 and 16 year olds because they were starting to break free and to get into stuff and they were being inundated with temptation and, 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 and stuff that they didn't know how to handle. That's been happening for over a decade to 10, 11 and 12 year olds. And, and we're, we're really seeing those kinds of things, even moving down into our first, second and third graders. If we really are honest about what we're seeing, even in the news about what's happening. But these 10 and 12 year olds are starting to make decisions about who they are, what they're going to do, what they're going to explore, what attracts them, what pulls them the way our 15 and 16 year olds were 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And when he's saying pray for them, the emphasis is ask God for wisdom how to reach them. He didn't just say, God bless our 10 to 12 year olds, keep them safe from harm. It's more than that. We need to see that that war environment that the enemy is taking younger and younger hostages and prisoners. The enemy's going after our children. Yeah. And, and, and when you talk about that war environment that we see in, in, in the news and, and in front of us, we can see that there. I I read a horrendous post and somebody put on, this person put this on Facebook and I read this this morning. You've mm. got to quit taking pictures of your elementary kids and how cute they are and then posting them on Facebook about which school they go to, what time it takes in, and I just dropped them off and I can't wait to pick them up and look how cute they are. Because yeah. 15, 15 seconds after you posted it, somebody offered that little girl or that little boy that you just posted on Facebook for sale to some pedophile somewhere across the, across the world, maybe not even in America. And because you put that much information, there was somebody waiting. And right now, your child is, is under a hood being transported, can't breathe good, terrified. Where am I at? Where's my mom? Where's my dad? I mean, it was a horrific thing to read, but it's true. It is. It's true. We're and, in a different world. And, and, and we've, it's not that we're naive, it's that we're too afraid to admit it, which makes us way too uncomfortable to confront it. And I, and I love Jeff's approach to this, you know, because he said something that I wonder when he said it, I thought to myself, I wonder how many pastors think this way. Because yeah. Jeff said, he said, even on Sundays at daybreak, his question in his mind is, how is a 12 year old processing all this? Yeah. And so yeah. his heartbeat is, how do we begin discipling these 12 year olds? How do we begin discipling these 
these younger fifth and sixth graders into what it means to know Christ, to walk in Christ, and and so that they're ready to face the years ahead, strong in their faith, strong in their walk, um, because they are the target. I mean, you look at TV commercials, you look at new movies that are coming out, everything is targeting 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. And so our step is stepping into that with Christ. How do we begin engaging this age group um, that, you know, that is right now at the very pivotal, pivotal point in their life? And I thought that was just a wake up, a wake up statement to um, all those that will listen to this, to this podcast. Um, Jesus Jesus said a little child shall lead them. And I think sometimes we forget that something that is clear enough for a 10 to 12 year old to understand and process where the Holy Spirit can speak Mm -hmm. is more apt to grab the 40 and 50 year olds as well. Mm -hmm. I used to, used to use puppet ministry a lot and and puppet ministry is kind of geared towards children, but who got the most out of the lessons who gave us the most comments it was the adults, the adults who were sitting there watching this and just as enthralled as the kids were. We need to understand putting the gospel story and putting biblical truth where a 10 and 12 year old can understand it is not dumbing down the story. It's making it available to everyone. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word, brother. I love, yeah, I love, I love, like I said, I love Jeff's heart and I love, um, and so I encourage people, I encourage people um, during the interview, we put up the website, neverthesame.org, where you can go and actually find out more about their ministry and check out Never the Same. It's an amazing, amazing student ministry. So thank you for taking time out of your day today. I know some of you may have been listening to this as you're driving. But thank you for taking the time to listen to Rooftop Perspectives or watch it. Um, If you liked today and you said, man, this was a great podcast. I really liked what I heard. It really helped me. Um, Please on Facebook, also on YouTube, if you'll um, like it and then share it. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the Rooftop TV, please do so. And then if you're watching this on any of our other platforms of Spotify, Apple, CastBox, Um, Radio Public, please leave a review, um, especially on Apple and Spotify, because that really helps to put push out the program. So more and more people are aware of the program. We're also on TWR 360, and that's a great app to download. We're on that each week. So we just encourage you to let others know about Rooftop Perspectives. And if you want to know more about the Rooftop International and the Rooftop Ministry, please visit us at our website, therooftop.org, and you'll find some great information about where we're at in over 60 countries um, and different ways that you can become a part of what God's doing through this movement. And one of the things you'll read about on that website is our discipleship summits that we have been leading. And the next one is next March here in North America. We already we did our first two this year, one in Bogota, Colombia, and the second one in Kathmandu, Nepal. But next March, Dallas, Texas, March 19th and 20th. Go to the website, hit the summit button, find out how you can be a part of that online and in person. 
We would love to see hundreds of people join us across the state of Texas and North America um, for this two-day summit as we talk about joining Jesus beyond the walls of our buildings and our comfort zones as we make disciples who make disciples. So thank you for joining us today. Have an incredible week as you join Jesus in his mission in your everyday life. God bless.